Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm Scott Fellman, your host, aquatic provocateur, and all-around fish geek. I would really like to uh, extend a special thank you to everybody that has visited our uh, podcast for the last week or so that it's been up. We've had a tremendous amount of views and uh, a lot of people hitting us up uh, and and asking for more ideas and, and giving us some more ideas for future podcasts. We're real happy about that. If you have an idea, feel free to contact me on uh Facebook, Instagram, or just our email, tenantaquatics at gmail.com, and we're happy to take some ideas for future installments. Today, I want to talk about something that, although not entirely uh, widely applied to aquariums, is applicable to other things, and I, I want to kind of put this into context. Now, every tank, every aquarium that we assemble is not only like a unique expression of our interests and our skills, it's a complex, ecologically functional microcosm. So it's impacted not only by the way we assemble the life forms that live in there, but how we utilize them. And of course, me being the, you know, the self-appointed, most prolific aquarium hobby philosopher, I've spent a fair amount of time ruminating on this idea, kind of trying to grasp the concept. And I think it simply starts with the materials that we use. Now, it's perfectly logical to imply that botanicals, wood, and other materials that we use in our aquascapes not only have an aesthetic impact but a consequential physical chemical impact on the overall aquatic environment or well. We talk about functional aesthetics. Now, it's not a really difficult concept to grasp when you think about it in the context of stuff we know and love in other areas of life. For example, wine has what's called terroir. It's the environmental conditions, especially soil and climate in which grapes are grown and that give a wine its unique flavor and aroma and characteristics. Coffee also acquires traits that are similar. And these are so these are essentially our tangible effects and characteristics which impact the experience that we get from these things. And of course, I can't help but wonder if this applies to our botanicals and other materials that we put in our aquariums. It must, right? I mean, leaves come from specific trees and they impart not only tannins and humic substances into the water, but they're likely falling in heavier concentrations or accumulating in various parts of the rainforest streams or inundated uh, forest floors at various times of the year, or perhaps in specific uh, physical locales within a stream or a river. And of course, they provide the fishes which reside in that given area a specific set of physical and chemical conditions to which the fish have adapted to over time. Now, is this not the very definition of terroir? Yeah, sort of, right? Actually, to me, it makes perfect sense. Uh, as we've discussed before, you know, the soils, the plants, the surrounding geography of an aquatic habitat play an important and intricate role, when you think about it, in the composition of the aquatic environment. They influence not only the chemical characteristics of the water, like pH, TDS, uh, hardness, etc., but the color, yeah, I'm talking tannins, turbidity, and other characteristics, like the water flow. Large concentrations become physical structures in the course of a stream or river that affects the course of the water. And of course, they also have an important impact on the diet of fishes. Remember we talked about allochthonous input 
from the surrounding aquatic habitats, food from the trees. And what about the impact of those humic substances again? I can't help but wonder what sorts of environmental variations we create in our aquarium habitats. Now, that is to say variations of the chemical composition of the water in our aquarium habitats by employing various different uh, types and combinations of botanicals, aquatic soils, and wood. Now, on the surface, this is not exactly a revolutionary idea. We've been doing stuff like this in the hobby for a while, more crudely in the fish breeding world. For example, adding peat moss to the water, which has been done for you know better part of the century, or with aragonitic substrates in African Rift Lake cichlid tanks, or with mineral additions to shrimp habitats, etc. In the planet aquarium world, it's long been known that different soil types and additives, for example, you know, clay-based aquatic soils, uh, they'll impact the water chemistry of the aquarium far different than, say, iron-based soils, and thus lead their effect on the plants, the fishes, and as perhaps an unintended side consequence, the overall aquatic environment will differ significantly as a result. So it pretty much goes without saying that the idea of utilizing different types of botanical materials in the aquarium can likely yield different effects on water chemistry and thus impact the lives of the fishes and the plants that reside there. It's not that big of a stretch, right? I mean, I can't help but wonder what the possible impacts of different leaves or possibly even seed pods from different areas can have on water and overall you know, aquatic environments. I mean, sure, pH and other characteristics are affected in certain circumstances. But what about the compounds and substances that we don't or simply can't test for in aquariums, trace elements, stuff like that? What impacts do they have? Subtle things like combinations of various amino acids, antioxidant compounds, maybe some really obscure trace elements, even hormones for that matter. Could utilizing different combinations of botanicals in aquariums potentially yield different results? You know, scenarios like add this if you want the fishes to color up or Add a combination of this and this if you want the fishes to commence spawning behavior, etc., etc. Sounds a little bit exotic, a little bit out there, but is it really that far-fetched of an idea? Absolutely not, in my opinion. I think the main thing that keeps this idea from really developing more in the hobby, knowing exactly how much of what to add to our tanks, specifically to achieve X effects, is that we simply don't have the means to test for many of the compounds which may impact or affect the aquarium habitat. At this point, it's really as much of an art as it is a science and more superficial of an observation, at least in our aquariums, and probably almost as useful uh, as laboratory testing is in the wild. Even simply observing the effects upon our fishes um, in, you know, caused by environmental changes is probably useful to some extent, right? At the present time, we're largely limited to making these sort of superficial observations about stuff like the color a specific botanical can impart into the water, or perhaps, um, you know, the way uh, the fish react around it. Of course, not everything we gain from this is superficial. Some impacts actually do have scientifically confirmed impacts. <laughs> that's funny, I just said impacts twice, but yes, that's what they have. In the case of catapa leaves, for example, we could at least infer that there's some substances like flavonoids like camphorol and quercetin and number of tannins like punalacin and punasalagin, things that are hard to pronounce but sound really cool, as well as saponins and phytosterols. All these things are imparted into the water from the leaves, which do have scientifically documented effects on fish health and vitality. Now, when we first started TAN and I came up with the term habitat enrichment to describe the various ways botanicals can impact the aquarium environment, I mused on that idea a lot. 
I know that doesn't surprise a lot of you, of course. Now, I freely admit that this term may be interpreted as much of a form of marketing hyperbole as it is a useful description. However, I kind of think the idea sort of resonates. And when we think that the aquarium is a sort of an analog for wild aquatic environments and how the surrounding environment, the terroir, as we've talked about already, impacts the aquatic environment, right? It all kind of ties in. You know, we hear interesting stories from fellow hobbyists about dramatic color changes and, you know, positive behavioral changes, rehabilitated fishes that were stressed out and those, quote, spontaneous spawning events, which just seemed to occur after a few weeks of utilizing botanicals in aquariums, which maybe you didn't employ them previously. Now, sure, a good number of these interesting, uh, you know, effects and impacts might be purely coincidental. But what happens, you know, when you see this time and time again in this context, you start pondering yourself. I start thinking, well, maybe there's some consideration to all this stuff. And I think we're slowly figuring this stuff out. Yeah, we're artists. We're not scientists, or at least not in the true sense, right? Uh, and this stuff is really just as much of an art as it is a science, in my opinion. There's so much we don't know yet, or more specifically, so much we don't know in the context of keeping fishes. We need to tie a few loose ends together, I think, to really get a good read on this stuff until we get to the, you know, dial a river additive stage. You know, just add a little bit of this and that and whatever. But we're getting there, at least in terms of understanding some of the tangible benefits of botanical use, besides just the aesthetics. And we're not buying into the, you know, add X amount of leaves per gallon to get this effect because we just don't know that yet. Anybody that tells you that... I don't know where they're getting their, their recommendation of, you know, five catopolis per gallon, other than it's just a rule of thumb that they use, which is fine. But to try to indicate that that's what you need to lower the pH in, in, in an aquarium or to do, you know, get your betas to spawn or whatever, it's irresponsible at best. You'll notice we never make a recommendation like that, other than to suggest maybe a starting amount, for example, for leaves in the interest of just going slowly and seeing what the impacts are, not in terms of you know, you're going to get a specific effect when you do this. Obviously, you will get some effects that are predictable, such as the tinted water if you're not using activated carbon to take it out. Or if you're dealing with the reverse osmosis deionized water with no carbon at hardness, you might see a pH reduction with a certain amount of botanicals added. But for the most part, it's again just an art. And we are getting there. We're, we're starting to figure some of the stuff out. And that's pretty exciting. And it really all starts with understanding the impact of the terroir, right? I think so. I think it's something that we could at least put a label on and, and enjoy talking about. And I'm always up for a good conversation on this stuff. So I want you to stay geeky, stay observant, stay curious, stay resourceful, stay open-minded, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman. Thanks for stopping by.